Hello, welcome to your courageous journey. This is Julie Sickles. And this is Julie Fairberg. And today we're going to be having an interview. For those of you who are new and joining us, our format is one week we have an interview with someone who shares an aspect of their life or their story with us. And then the next week, we follow up where Julie and I meet and we talk with you about a psychological principle or development, personal development principle from that previous episode that is hopefully very helpful for you and your life. And today I will be introducing my friend in a few minutes, but we just want to let you know, this one's a little bit different. This is going to be a two-parter actually. Nathan had a lot to share and has some really good insight. And so we're going to stretch this out for two weeks. So part two will be next week. And here we go with the interview. Nathan is somebody who I met actually gaming not too long ago, a few months ago, what, three months ago or something? Something around that. I think that's when we actually started like talking, talking. Yeah. Yeah. So we bonded over a short amount of time. So he's got some really interesting experiences and I thought it was really cool when I told him we had a podcast. I don't know if it was immediate. I think he was just like, Hey, I could, I could be on your podcast. (laughs) So after talking, he has some really good life experiences that I think would be helpful for pretty much anybody to talk about. Yeah. Well, and Julie has been in a group with Nathan for a little bit and then they kind of started a new group. So I've been hearing a lot about Nathan, but I don't know him very well. But one thing that really intrigued me and piqued my interest is the name of your new group. I loved the name (laughs) (laughs) of your group. Do you want to share what your group is called? Uh, Yeah. So it is a, um, can I say? Is that all right? Is, yeah. it's, if it's okay with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, don't mind. I don't care. Yeah, so it's a uh, guild in World of Warcraft, and the guild's name is Again But Better. Am I doing full origin story of the name? <laughs> do, do the TLDR version if you can. So the TLDR version is basically when we're coming up against a boss and things are starting to drag a little bit in terms of morale. One of the early things I said that people kind of latched onto was, all right, let's focus up and do it again, but better. And people kind of latched onto that and it was kind of like a jokey thing, but it did bring morale up, right? Yeah. So when we were starting another group, we ended up look- looking into names. And once that one came up, it was pretty much set in stone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I just love it. I feel like it should be a philosophy for life. I mean, it's (laughs) not just good in games. I think Mm -hmm. for life, that's good again, but better, right? Like, that's a good way to live. I I think that that kind of like encompasses a lot of the things in terms of like reflection that I think uh, people take on. And I think everybody does it kind of inherently. And we have a whole bunch of different sayings just in English alone that all kind of encompass the same thing, right? Get back on the horse, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It's all kind of down to the same concept while also not being the exact same in every circumstance, but the idea pretty much sticks every single time you phrase it. Yeah, I really liked it. That alone was enough for me to be like, yes. <laughs> I was like, it didn't take much for Julie to be very interested. So <laughs> I know that was, was like, cool. That is great. I want to talk more with this person. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say I'm happy to be here and I appreciate the time. Cool. Good. So do we. Well, just tell us like a little bit about you. Just 
like a little background where maybe. you're from that kind of thing um, you like so do? without revealing too many identifiers i grew up in the midwest i grew up with kind of a slew of hobbies i come from a divorced household that divorce started when i was about five or six and that divorce ended up running till i was about 11 or 12 it was like a six or a seven year divorce i forget which so that was like early life tribulations when i was in like third grade i started into like advanced courses so we called it something different than everywhere else calls it of course after that it was probably about let's see i think i had rough teenage years due to some issues with my dad and i think uh I think I held on to a lot of that anger into some more formative years. When I was probably about 17, I ended up having my aunt pass away, which was an extremely hard experience for me. So she ended up living in the house and she ended up being kind of like a tertiary parent. Um, but she had this incredible wisdom about her and just like this kind of sense of like calm, even when things around us weren't calm. So losing her was very, very hard. She ended up coming into home hospice. Last few months of her life, I got to spend around her, which was a blessing and a curse in its own way for a 17-year-old who was, you know, watching yeah. somebody kind of pass away in front of him from a, uh, a very aggressive form of cancer. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, that is rough. Yeah, metastasized over, I think, four to six months um, and went from undetectable to stage four. So wow. it was, yeah, it wasn't messing around. So can I ask a question real quick? Yeah, of course. From the time she was diagnosed to when she passed, how long was that? It was probably about six-ish months, oh, okay. something like that. Yeah, it wasn't very long. It was mm -hmm. kind of like in and out, right? Yeah. Which was, yeah, kind of a, it was a hard process, I think, for everyone, including the family. So it was, yeah, a definitely a hard period of my life. But um, from really hard trials, we end up growing a lot, whether we like it or not, right? So at about that point in my life, my outlook changed in a lot of very dramatic ways. So I ended up doing uh, local college for a few years, getting my associate's degree. Then I ended up going to state college, decided that state college wasn't going to be the route for me for a slew of reasons, but I'm not here to talk about those. So I kind of fell back into a fallback plan and ended up joining into the military. I did that for four years, uh, considered continuing doing what I was doing for them, but ultimately decided against that. And currently I'm working in one of the trades. Okay, nice. So tell me what aspect of your life or what story you would like to share with us today. So I think today uh, we're going to talk about one of my exes who I was with for a very long period of time, pretty much throughout my 20s. Unfortunately, her and I had a, had a very tumultuous relationship kind of right off the bat, and it started right before I went into the military, actually. Okay. So I was 22 at the time, and it was about three months beforehand. And we ended up meeting online, and we kind of hit it off. And we hit it off really hard and really fast. So we were talking, and it was kind of back and forth. And she was kind of playing coy. And I was, you know, a 22-year-old who was looking for somebody. 
particularly with the ever looming date of shipping off to boot camp kind of hanging out in the horizon. And so we got along really well, really fast. Um, we had a very good connection. We laughed a lot. We kind of had similar senses of humor. We had similar outlooks. She was very, very intelligent. And that was immediately a draw to her from me. And it was, yeah, it was kind of set in stone from the first time we watched a movie together. And it was just kind of like, yeah, this is a thing that I want to pursue. From that point forward, we started to talk more seriously and kind of really look at giving dating a shot. She had three rules around dating, and I won't share what they were, but I broke all three of them immediately on off the bat. Um, and the connection. No, 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 just circumstantial rules, right? Mm -hmm. So um, one of them that I'll share was basically she would never date a smoker, but I was already a smoker at that time. So it was kind of like those kinds of guidelines of like, these things are things that I will, and it was like, nope, I break all three of those. And so the connection kind of led us to continue forward with that. So... I remember the first time I kind of got an inkling that there was, I guess, trouble in paradise is a good way to put it. We were only a week or two into like being together at this point. And I had told her a story about an ex that I had it kind of casually seen. And I told her the story one way that included nothing happening with the ex. Because when you're young and you're kind of looking to make a good impression on people, sometimes you inflate things. And that's never the right way, right? And so I was deceitful in what I said. And I said, you know, she stayed the night, but nothing happened. When in reality, something had happened. So when the story came around again and the detail had suddenly changed and something had happened, there was a seed of mistrust, right? And so the deceit was a really big deal for her and understandably, right? Being lied to early on in a relationship kind of makes things unsettling. That could have been the end of the story. She basically told me I have no interest in being with somebody who's going to lie to me about their circumstances. Understanding these things is important to me, and you've already let that down. I don't see this going anywhere. And I was like, well, I'm really sorry to hear that. I shouldn't have screwed this up. I apologize for that. And so I put my phone down, and I went to go take a shower. And it took about 20-ish minutes for me to shower. By the time I got back to my phone, I noticed that I had a few missed calls from her. So I was thinking, well, I wonder what's going on. So I gave her a call back. When I called her back, she kind of presented the question, so are you not going to chase me? And I immediately, something like clicked in my brain where it was, oh, she wants me to show that I care by pursuing after her after I messed up. That makes a lot of sense. And even though in that moment it probably didn't feel 100% right, I started to, right? I apologized. I was like, you know, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I should have respected what you wanted. Uh, da, 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 right? Like feeding into what, what she had kind of signaled to me she was looking for. And that started a trend that would continue through the relationship. Um, but I think that was probably the first indication that I can remember of some really severe codependence that would develop over time. Mm-hmm. Um, so next so she, so she kind of expressed to you a specific thought of, well, I can't trust you. We probably shouldn't be together. And right. then within 20 minutes, 
she kind of flipped the script and she was like, why aren't you pursuing kind of, why aren't you pursuing me or why aren't you groveling on your knees to get me back? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You were just like respecting what she had communicated to you. Right. And I was basically told that that wasn't the action, regardless of what she conveys to me. The thing that I should value above anything else is pursuing and keeping her. Okay. So interesting. Very interesting. Okay. And that was something that continued a lot through your relationship, just that kind of mixed messages. Yeah, it manifested in a lot of different ways, but it was far from the only sign of (laughs) issues that we had. I will also include that I was fortunate enough to actually talk to her again recently in a productive way for probably the first time since we ended. And I got to understand a lot more about her perspective and kind of what happened from her end and kind of the growth that she's done since. And I'm happy to say that there's been growth done since, right? Yeah. Um, ownership of behaviors is it means a lot and so understanding and owning things is the only way we ever grow that was nice to get some closure on some things um how long has it been since you guys broke up february-ish so six eight months Um, okay not way too long but yeah the relationship was done well before that for a multitude of reasons but for now i'm gonna stick to chronological if that's okay yeah yeah So uh, the next couple months that I was in, uh, while I was still at home, it was good. We had a couple rocky moments, but they were always overcomable as long as I was willing to fight to keep her. I don't remember any in particular from the rest of that time frame, so I don't have any antics to share. But then it was time for boot camp, so now it's time to fulfill my contractual obligation. There's no more avoiding it. So I kind of... Geared up, got ready for boot camp, ended up going. We wrote letters while I was there. She sent them in. It was nice to kind of just have support for myself when I was in boot camp because no matter how much you get, it never feels like exactly enough, right? Because you're kind of alone in this weird place and you've got, you're living in a room with 90 other people. And it's, yeah, that was the hardest part about boot camp was the 90 other guys that I had to live with. So we got through that. Talked a little bit towards the end once I was able to make phone calls and whatnot. Ended up graduating and shortly after I was shipped off to my training. So I ended up going to training and this is where things started to kind of escalate in strange ways. So when I was in my training, I had very strange hours as do most people in the military at most points in their careers. I so there were some mornings that I'd have to be up at, you know, three thirty, three forty five to go to PT and then go work out and then be back in class by six. And there were other mornings that I didn't have to go into class till six PM, things like that. So I uh my hours were all over the place. But during that time she really liked to be on the phone. So I spent a lot, like a very significant amount of my time on the phone. If I wasn't like in chow or if I wasn't doing things, if I didn't have basically an excuse not to be on the phone, I was on the phone. So there's probably two stories in particular that stick out to me from my time here. The first of which was I had a roommate 
in my training who <laughs> he was a good guy he was a bit of a knucklehead but he was a good guy he ended up uh, coming back to our room one night at like 3 a.m when i was tanked from class and so i didn't even hear him come in but i wake up in the morning and he is keeled over the foot side of his bed and all i hear is retching mm. and i'm like there better be a trash can underneath you. <laughs> and I hear him go, uh, and then he keeps retching. And I'm like, oh, no. So I stand up, I flip on the light, and it's 4.30 in the morning at this point. Wow. And I go over there on a Saturday. It's one of my only days to sleep. And I look over there, and he is just puking on his clothes. Uh. Uh. So I wave my hand in defeat and I go, you're cleaning it up. I step out of my room and I go sit down on the benches. And then I realize I don't have my phone. So I go grab my phone. He's still there. I'm looking at him frustrated <laughs> in the bed thinking this sucks because I can't go back to sleep in the room at this point. Right. Yeah. I um, be able to because you smell it. <laughs> Yeah. And he's cleaning it up and yeah, well, well, I wasn't cleaning it up. That was for sure. Um, <laughs> so, well, he wasn't exactly in a state where he could clean it up at that point. He had been drinking very heavily the night before, so he would yeah. have to deal with that whenever. Not my problem at that point. What was my problem <sighs> is that I was out of sleep now. So, that's yeah. not something that's going to be changing. So I messaged her and let her know I was awake, went outside and kind of hung out for a few. And it didn't actually take long before a couple of my friends ended up coming out. And they were like, why are you awake so early? And I was why like, why are they awake so early? <laughs> <laughs> well, some of them were early risers. So I was okay. out there alone for probably an hour, hour and a half, just kind of like hanging out, enjoying the morning, thinking probably watching videos on my phone or playing a game on my phone or something to keep my mind occupied. So they end up coming out and they're like, how long have you been awake and like out here? And I'm like, I've been out here since 4.30 this morning. I'm losing my mind. <laughs> and they're like, well, we're going to the beach. You should absolutely come with us. And I was like, yeah, that sounds good. I was like, let me just ping the girlfriend and let her know. And so I let her know, hey, this morning sucked. I'm going to the beach with my friends. And she goes where are you guys going? What beach? What are you guys doing? And I was like, I, I'm not entirely sure. They just said we were going to the beach. I'm not one to ask for a lot of details when it comes to plans. <laughs> People say, hey, we're told. doing this plan. And I'm like, cool, who's picking me up? I'm down. <laughs> and so I was like, I don't know very many details. And she was like, well, is there any chance it's like a populated beach? Are there going to be women there? And I was like, I have no idea. I can't confirm or deny if there's going to be anybody there. <laughs> there's no um, women at beaches. What? <laughs> and she was like, well, I don't like the idea of you being there if there are women around. And I wow. was like, I, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. I can't guarantee who's going to be around. I can tell you that I'm not particularly interested in going and socializing at the beach after my morning. <laughs> I'm going to like decompress and be like out away from all of this that's giving me problems. Like I don't really want to hear it right now. Like this is just something I kind of need to do to like take care of myself. And she goes, well, I'm not okay with you doing that to me. And I was like, what do you mean what I'm doing to you? She goes, well, it's going to give me a lot of anxiety for you to go out. And you doing that to me is unfair to me. And so we're back and forth. Um, this ended up turning into like an hour, hour and a half long fight to the point that my friends are like, hey, we're leaving. 
Like, you need to get off the phone. You're coming with us, whether you want to or not. Like, get off the phone after the morning you had. Come on, we're going to the beach. Mm -hmm. And I've, you know, got her yelling on the phone in one hand. And I'm like, I, I need to get off the phone. And they're like, just hang up on her. And I was like, mm, there's likely a new level of uh, crap waiting for me <laughs> if I go that route. I don't know if I want to do that. And they're like, no, 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 no. And so I let my hand off the phone so she can hear that people are telling me like, hey, we're going. And I'm like, look, nothing weird is going to happen, I, but I need to do this. I'm putting my foot down. You can't like enforce your feelings on me as like, hey, you need to be accountable for this, right? Like, mm -hmm. that's not okay with me. And so I end up hanging up and that turned into another whole fight about how I betrayed her by going against her wishes there. So I ended up going to the beach and it wasn't a great time because the entire time I was there, I was anxious about what I was coming back to. I was uncomfortable mm -hmm. about this only real connection I have to pre-military life kind of coming back to bite me. Because in my mind at this point, this is the person who stayed with me through boot camp. This is really the only tie I have left back to the comforts of home. This is really all I have, right? And so I'm so focused on that that I barely remember the beach. I remember the beach was dirty. Um, I remember that I don't like beaches particularly much in the first place. I remember that we had a couple beers and we hung out and we talked and then we went back and nothing happened. And I remember that her and I ended up fighting again for several hours after that event. And then I remember also uh, the other story and anecdote is a little bit shorter. It was, I don't even remember what we were fighting about. And a lot of these things are very, very difficult to remember what we were fighting about. A lot of them were over the fact that since I had lied early on in the relationship, when she would ask me for information that was important to her, like, you know, if I had slept with uh, certain people or what things had happened with certain people, I think most of if not all of the fights were really around like my before her sexual history so we probably were fighting about that in some manifest or she was asking me why I would have did something or if something would have been something that I would have redone or if I could redo it would I do it again something along those lines but just like really kind of a lot of those questions got very very invasive and almost questions that that you wouldn't see normally. Didn't you say that she would like want you to talk badly about like exes and stuff, things that you didn't like about them? That was something to contextualize. Something that was very important for her was to know that she was special in that regard, that something about her set her apart from everyone else. And so what ended up happening was when I had lied about something happening in the first place, in her mind, that meant that even my reassurances couldn't be trusted. So not only did I have to build her up and tell her that you were special and unique, I would have to degrade them and tell her that they were less than and explain how in one of any slew of ways. It just depended on kind of what day it was. Did that ever uh, work? Did that ever like uh, appease her for even a short amount of time or 
Yeah, temporarily it would work, okay. um, particularly at first, right? And if I could end up getting into the headspace of doing so unprompted, then it would help more, right? Because now I'm going of my own volition in order to talk poorly about Nex or in order to build her up in her mind at the time. That was able to kind of satiate that, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, it did work, particularly during school. But this was a point in the relationship where we were both still fairly convinced that we had a shot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was far from the waking nightmare that it would eventually become. So we would fight a ways, and then after we would fight a ways, it would ultimately end up back okay, right? We're back in a good place. We're speaking well about each other to each other. Things are okay. If anything, a few responses that were delayed were scolded in one way, shape, or form, discouraged, uh <laughs> Convincing. So you mean your responses to her, like yeah. she would scold those if they were too long? If I took too yeah. long to respond, okay. yeah. And at that point, it was probably a lot more reasonable. Um, <laughs> I say that. By that, I mean, you know, within an hour or a half hour, she would typically not blow me up at that point. Later on in the relationship, there were points where if I wasn't responding within two, three minutes, she would get upset and <laughs> very quickly let me know about that so how okay so this was all while you were in the military yeah i'm assuming uh, during boot camp and stuff like you probably didn't have as much time or maybe i don't know maybe that's not i even... didn't have any yeah i didn't okay. i didn't have my cell phone camp. yeah but you could talk uh, to her at night and stuff no not during base basic it was oh, when okay. he went to his advanced training got you yeah. got you Okay. Yeah, this was for my job in the military. Oh, um, okay, gotcha. So, uh, so yeah, I ended up finishing through my basically job training, um, and mm -hmm. I ended up going to where I was going to be for the next about three-ish years. And this is where things kind of took a nosedive, particularly after a different point. So first probably year-ish were... Kind of the same deal, right? I'm making some friends. I actually ended up going to my where I ended up, my permanent station. I ended up going with a couple people from my classes. And so that was kind of nice. I had a couple people that I had at least been able to recognize their faces. And even if we didn't talk a lot, one of them I actually talked to a significant amount when I was in school. Two of them were in the same class as me. We all ended up in the same place. It was kind of nice to have, you know, some kind of familiarity there. But really, she was the only tie that I had. Um, hmm. So the only thing that's kind of remained consistent in my existence since joining the military was her, which was a very isolating feeling. So while I was actually starting to perform my job functions and whatnot, I couldn't talk to her during the day because I'm working in the military, right? So yeah, there's no like sneaking your phone out and sending her messages or anything like that. So for that part, she was mostly understanding. However, the compensation that was anticipated around that was she would call me and wake me up every morning. I sleep like I'm dead. I'm 
pretty much convinced that a train could roll over me and I wouldn't wake up till it's a little in the distance and I would just be confused as to why there's a train rolling away from me. <laughs> so I had to have like my alarm set or my ringtone set on like max volume and almost under my head so it would wake me up in the morning. But part of that just came from lack of sleep. So this is where everything kind of like hit rock bottom for us. So we continued on and it was the same kind of roller coaster, right? Some weeks are better than others. Some days are better than others. And some hours are better than others. And mm -hmm. at its peak, it was probably within hours we could go from being okay to not being okay from talking normally to yelling match and i have my own room in the area so now it's less restrained so i don't have the my roommate just came back excuse anymore to mm. be able to escape the phone i am fully isolated at this point i have very few if any lifelines and uh, that isolation kind of enabled the worst in not just her, but both of us to come out. I said a lot of things that I'll never forget and I'm never going to be proud of and things that I'm going to have to cope with for a long time and kind of unroot why those things were ever an option in the first place. But I think that what we put each other through here would ultimately end up it kind of being some of the worst experiences for both of us. So the reason that I probably slept so much was because I stayed up late just about every night. If I had to be up for work at about uh, 5.36, I would probably be up till about 1 to 2 a.m. because mm -hmm. we were doing something that she wanted to do. And because I worked all day, she wanted to get her time and she was staying up late. So I was staying up late. A lot of those weren't even necessarily demands or vigorous demands, but they were things that I was worried would turn into fights. So it was kind of implied threat to me, at least, mm -hmm. where it would come down to, oh, can we play one more round of this game? Or can we watch one more episode of this show, etc.? So if um, you had a day where you were just like exhausted, you couldn't be like, look, I... <laughs> don't i can't do it tonight and she that would be like a fight it depended so this is where the varying times happened right mm -hmm. um but there were definitely nights where it'd be like midnight and i'm like listen i got like three hours of sleep last night i need to go to bed and it'd be please just one more and then it'd be like i seriously need to and it'd be like wow you just really don't want to do anything for me mm. so kind of guilt just trying to guilt trip you so you would do what she wanted you to do? Possibly. It might have been guilt tripping, but to me it felt like an implied threat. It had sent me into panic just about every time because of the potential for the kind of like never-ending onslaught of a fight to start. Um, because... So threat meaning like threat that she's going to break up with you? No. I No, threat of a fight, right? Threat of us like, fighting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Threat of, you know, entering into basically combat, whether verbal combat, where it was. So our fights were really, really horrible. It was a lot of passive aggressive banter. It was a lot of like intentionally attacking insecurities. It was a lot of intentionally like sabotaging the other person's mental state. It was full on mental warfare. It was basically who can send who into the worst spiral first. And unfortunately, we were both very, very good at that game. 
particularly at this point where we know each other so well and, and the insecurities have been shared so thoroughly and pervasively that all it ever takes is one thing, right? So for me, I didn't have a particularly good relationship with my father growing up, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I've had to learn forgiveness for forgiveness to me has become a lot more than just a literary term. Forgiveness has to be a feeling and you kind of have to be at peace in order for forgiveness to exist, right? Mm-hmm. You can't forgive somebody and still hold resentment for them. It's just not possible. Mm-hmm. So I had to learn forgiveness after a certain point, but something that she could attack me on would be something like, you're probably more like your dad than you think. You're literally mm. acting like you told me how he was regardless of what i said about him and then if i'd be like you're not really telling me that right now right and then i would respond and i'd say that's like i'd respond in an unstable way compare her to somebody that she didn't want to be compared to and say that sounds like something you're something would say right mm-hmm. and it would just be this kind of like nasty vitriolic back and forth where it was basically who could withstand right because it was it decayed into shouting matches it was any type of verbal and mental warfare you can think of emotional warfare we went through it and we both knew we went through it so if you are in a fight with her like how did they typically resolve or did they not resolve did you guys just like drop it like would you be able to have any sort of resolution like in a night? Yeah, just how did that end? We didn't have a choice but to end it. Basically, the second it started, we weren't going to step away from it until it was resolved. And that was kind of a general rule of thumb she had at that point and prior to that as well. What I mean by that is, let's say she had a question around an ex, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll say the girl that I had seen a couple times casually. So it could start with something as simple as, can I ask you a question? And the second that I hear those words, <laughs> uh, I, the spiral starts. So I am immediately overwhelmed with anxiety. I can feel my chest entirely full. I can feel my head swell. I basically, my entire fight or flight instinct just kind of kicks in. And I know that it's about to be a problem because there's mm. never a good resolution to this. One of the one of the insights that I was lucky enough to gain from her in our last conversation was that at this point she was so far down her own rabbit hole that one it was very easy to not acknowledge me as a person um because her constant heightened state of anxiety she attributed to being my fault because I was no longer able to bring her peace. So she's constantly in this mood. And so if she took a moment and looked at my suffering from asking me a question, like, can I ask you a question? She could completely disregard my responses to it by saying, it's his fault that I'm in this state in the first place. Mm. So it automatically becomes an Ouroboros cycle because she never has to justify why I feel awful and I can never win right? I can never respond in a way that is going to satiate her officially or truly. So I'm we're in this cycle and she asked me that question and I'm immediately into a spiral and I go, all right, I guess. And she goes, well, I didn't really like your tone with that response. And it goes, well, this never ends up well. What do you expect me to respond like? Yeah. Um, and so she'd be like, well, it's just like one question. I'm only going to ask you one question. And I'd be like, yeah, okay. 
that does she do this knowing that her questions cause you anxiety yeah there's no way she didn't maybe not at the time but i think probably (laughs) reflecting on it she could be aware she probably at the time if i had to guess from her perspective she thought that if i approached the conversation we had a bunch of conversations around this where she thought that if i approached the conversation considerately where if I was like, yeah, of course you can ask me a question. And I tried to give her like thoughtful answers rather than being immediately like overwhelmed that she would have been able to satiate her anxiety faster. But then in reflection, she's realized that that was probably never the case. Mm. There was never an answer that I could have given that would have satiated her anxiety because there was no trust in the relationship at all. Like zero trust. And when I say zero trust, I mean zero trust. Well, uh, yeah. I don't want to interrupt your flow if you have more, but I wanted to ask a couple questions about her and her upbringing, if that's okay. But you can continue so, if you have more. Real quick, I wanted to finish the answer to your question. So I'm sorry. The end of a conflict would basically be she's gone through the 35 questions that she had to ask because it was only going to be one. One, yeah. But the 35 questions that she was going to ask, she'd run through them a few times. And so we All would, 35? Yeah. Yeah. We would actually loop. So um, oh. we'll get to we'll get to how extreme that ended up getting in a minute. But she would get through whatever number of questions. It could be five, seven, ten, whatever questions she was feeling unsure of at the time. And she would loop back through them probably three or four times. And then she would have me promise on anything. And then that would be it. And then she would be like, okay, we're done. And it'd be like kind of the dust settling for a minute as like the emotional drain just kind of like set in, right? Because these conversations never took really under an hour. But at at their worst, they were probably running somewhere between 16 and 20 hours. Whoa. Yeah. So How do you have that much time in a day? Would that be on a weekend then? That would be on weekends, yeah, okay. when I was off. Well, not necessarily okay. weekends. I was working odd hours. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but just we, your off days. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. We hit one point that was the worst of it. It was probably about six weeks, and we'll talk about that in a second. But that's where... Mm-hmm. That's where the craziness, like, actually, yeah, comes in. Um, but what was your question? I'm just curious about, like, how did she endure abuse as growing up and stuff? So I'm not going to give very many personal details about her. What I will say is her family dynamic was very much every man for themselves against one person's tyranny in the family. Mm. One person in the family was really the cardholder and basically I I would refer to them as an emotional terrorist, which I don't know Mm. if that language is very good. But they genuinely were an emotional terrorist because it was basically, if I don't get my way, I am going to make everyone's life as much hell as possible. So basically, they would transfer it, right? They would lash out at everybody around them because they wanted one thing from one person or one behavior from one person or one admission from one person, whatever it may be. And that person normally meant her. So this person would basically start going off and laying into everybody around them. And then those people would then go and pressure her to just give this person what they wanted. Okay. So they'd get mad at her because she wasn't just... She wasn't capitulating. Yeah. 
And then, so everyone's mad at her. Mm-hmm. They're all saying the same thing, right? That reminds but... me of like being on like a sports team or like gym class or something where it's like one person is falling short. So everyone has to be punished for it. Like everyone has to do the the push-ups or the whatever. I'm, I've had a few coaches or teachers like that. Boot camp at its finest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah. but it's in your home where you're supposed to be safe and cared for. And yeah. yeah. Right. I I will say that there were other aspects of the upbringing that are much more concerning, um, Mm -hmm. but these are going to have to be off the record. No, that's okay. We don't have to talk about it. I just wanted a basic idea of where she she was mistreated. Yeah, Yeah. growing up. Yeah, absolutely. Like without any question, it was beyond mistreated. It was full on abuse. Mm -hmm. Um, and. Yeah, without a doubt. So she didn't really have a healthy foundation for relationships, for communication, for working through issues. Correct. She had no foundation for it. I don't think there had been a single thing that had ever been like successfully worked through emotionally in her existence at that point. Um, so no was, healthy relationships, really. No, not that I'm aware of. That makes um, so hold on. No, no, no. That's not true. Um, thinking about it, she did have kind of unconditional love and support from her grandparents. Okay. She had an excellent relationship with them. They were kind of the beacon of light in her life. Um, oh, good. And when they passed, everything went mm. further and further downhill. Because yeah. I won't go into details about that, but. Um, the grandparents going away ended up in tribe warfare with the families Mm -hmm. and it all kind of yeah it all went really bad and it went bad for her family because then they're coming together but there's so much resentment within the family itself it was a near impossible situation for her to exist in in any healthy way Um, and I understood that I, I pointed that out a lot when we were together i was like listen you have no idea what a good like conversation looks like you have no idea what relief looks like none of these things are things that you're familiar with and you won't let me help you find them because you have completely turned me into the enemy Mm -hmm. and she goes well if you hadn't have been the enemy it never would have come to that it was it just turned into the eternal back and forth of like let me help you and it was like you're the thing that's hurting me She ended up basically becoming always the low man on the totem pole for the emotional terrorist and her family. And that uh, basically left her with nowhere safe to turn. Yeah. Because in my mind, or in her mind, now I'm a liar. And nothing I can say can ever be trusted, which means she has no sense of security with me. On top of not having any sense of security anywhere else, she has no sense of control in her life whatsoever. And it just all kind of kept spiraling and spiraling and spiraling. So, so I I have a question. You said yeah. that one of those first fights was about you not being honest or completely honest about that situation. Yes. After that, you know, and that was early on, you said like the first three months. Yeah. After that, were you honest or were you not honest with her about things? I was honest with her, but the problem was I had a lot of spotty memories around a lot of those things and some of the details she would have asked for, I wouldn't have been able to recollect the first time, but it didn't even necessarily take that. 
it did take something as simple as me choosing a different word to describe a situation to send her into a, this is incongruent. These things no longer match. Thereby, one of these things cannot be true, which means he has lied to me at one point or another. So she would pick apart like a lawyer would pick apart someone on the stand if they're cross-examining them. <laughs> Lawyers wish they could have had her skill at picking <laughs> apart statements. It was, again, she was extremely intelligent. That was one of the things that drew me to her in the first place. Mm-hmm. But being as intelligent as she would, understanding that there could be two different connotations to a thing. She could take that. She could say the way I said them was different and thereby something I said was a lie. It could be any aspect of anything, but she would grasp onto that because there had to be a hole in the story. I had to be lying about something. Yeah, so she was just looking for the lie all the time. Yes. And it was always about you lying, even though mm-hmm. from the beginning, you know, after that initial lie where you're like, that, I should not have done that. Right. You were trying to be 100% honest, but she was constantly accusing you right. of of lying and trying to prove it. Yeah. Um, I would describe things in slightly different ways, or I would remember something that I hadn't remembered prior. So I'd have to add in a new detail somewhere. And that um, meant that you had lied at some correct. point. So now it's not only just that I'm lying. It's also that I can't trust my own memory. So nothing I say can ever be trusted. So once we're in that mode, and if she fixated on something, it was fixation until death. So how did that resolve? Would you just have to be like, okay, yeah, sorry, I lied? Or like, how how did that typically end? I had really big issues owning a lie that I didn't tell um, Mm -hmm. for a lot of this. Even in these circumstances, I would have issues saying, yes, I lied about this thing. If I was genuinely retelling a story that I was like, this is how it happened. And I felt it was congruent with the way that I had presented it prior. I would try to rephrase things. So when people ask me the same question more than once, one of the things that I really try to do is offer clarity. So I might rephrase something or I might try to present it in a different package in order to help convey like, this is the thing that I'm trying to get across. So um, normal, normal communication to try and um, help people understand. Right. Yeah. 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 And it would result in, since I'm trying to repackage it, she's saying, well, now it's a different thing than you gave me before. But even Mm -hmm. if I said the things verbatim, it wouldn't have mattered, right? Consistency Mm -hmm. was irrelevant at this point. Mm -hmm. She was fixated on nothing I said could be trusted. And so it was, it, it was doom and gloom and like for the rest of it. Um, Yeah, so for like the whole time, you really were always battling her trusting anything you said. I was fighting a simulacrum of myself, I think is the best way I can put it, because I had basically two different modes. There was waiting for the storm, and I am in the hurricane, where my only sense of reprieve is work, so I buried myself in work. And when I say I buried myself in work... I got very, very good at what I was doing. I ended up becoming a subject matter expert in my role. I gained some very significant credentials. I excelled in just about everything I did. I excelled 
I needed to. I needed something that would absorb my focus entirely. And work was the only option I had because every other waking minute of my life was pretty much spent entirely centralized around her. Yeah. Wow. So it was just work and trying to deal with this relationship where you were either waiting for the storm or in a storm. Correct. Do you think it's accurate to say that even if it was not in the storm, like the anxiety was so bad that it just. Yeah, I was just waiting to hear the can I ask you a question? Mm. I was, it's all I ever waited for. It it was the only thing, it was between that and (laughs) spiraling unnecessarily at that point because Mm. I needed to be able to breathe between the fights. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes we had good days or a good couple days or it'd be, you know, Tuesday Mm. and then we'd have an okay Wednesday and Thursday and Friday would be an entire blowout, right? So six Mm. to eight hours of fighting and then go to sleep and do it again, right? So it hit a point where it got the worst it's been. And I'm sorry for kind of steering the conversation, but I do think this is this yeah. is where the meat of it exists because this was the worst it ever got. <laughs> I could never experience this again. I, I genuinely couldn't. It was a oh, living hell. There was a night that I overslept. We had stayed up late fighting and I had overslept. And I had given her a password to some account at some point because I wanted her to go check on something for me and that didn't seem like the end of the world however because I overslept I missed her wake up calls and I missed her I missed kind of everything about that so she didn't receive a response she was pretty much uh scared that I was ghosting her and just completely ignoring her this also happened to be the same day as my advancement exam in the military advancement exams are very very important so i wake up and i've got you know 30 missed calls between her and military majority being her i wake up i freak out because i know that i was supposed to be in a testing room about 45 minutes ago so the first person i call is my boss even over the looming death that was swirling over my head i knew that it had to be military first because otherwise uh (laughs) military jail doesn't sound like fun you know what i mean so i call them they're like yeah you're in really big trouble you need to get in here and i'm like okay um i'll be in there in 15 right so i put that down one of the rules of the military that i learned fairly early on is if you're going to be late you better not show up unshaven as well so i immediately went to go shave um and i called her put her on speakerphone and she goes we have a big problem and i go i don't really have time to deal with your problems right now i'm in so much trouble you have no idea how much trouble i'm in this is like life ending career ending trouble right now I am screwed. And she goes, I got into your email this morning. You were talking to somebody you didn't tell me about. And I go, what are you even talking about? I do not have, I cannot do this right now. You don't understand what's going on in my real life. And she goes, you talked to somebody for so long and you never told me about them. And at this point, I hadn't even remembered this person. It was somebody I had a little correspondence with at some point when I was 19, I guess. So years before. Yeah. At this point, it was probably five, six years, maybe six, seven years. Oh, uh, before that point. 
Yeah. Yeah. Before oh that my point. Goodness. Oh, that's um, crazy. And so I hadn't remembered uh, this at all. And so I didn't recall any of that. And so she's going after me and she's like, we have to resolve this. This isn't okay. You never told me about this. This isn't like, this is something you should have told me about. You didn't get to make this decision for me. And I was like, I don't have the time for you right now. You need to go away. And I hung up and she called back and I answered and I said, no, stop. We're not doing this right now. I cannot do this. I'm shaving my face at this time because again, I'm having a full blown panic attack at this point because I've essentially you're in, in trouble, my yeah. eyes in my eyes i've just lost my entire career mm-hmm. and so we're going through this while i'm trying to like get my uniform on and i'm absolutely losing my mind both ways and i am like snapping at her and she's snapping back at me and this is for her this is the culmination of everything right this is the full evidence of he's been lying and he's trying to get away from me for it and for me i've got these three or four overwhelming kind of like impending dooms of i just lost a career that i'm just starting i just lost like this and now i've got to deal with her in probably the worst case i'll ever deal with her so I go to work and I end up talking to my boss. I don't know if it was the same day or the next day, but I end up talking to my boss and we sit down in a room together and he looks at me and he goes, what happened? He goes, this is so unlike you. He goes, whenever you have somewhere you need to be, you're there. He goes, whenever you have something to do, you do it. He goes, you excel in your work. You excel in the military, like everything do is excellent. Why this? And I couldn't hold it at that point. Like that one moment where he's like, this bad thing you did is out of your character. Just kind of like broke me. And I kind of just broke down crying in the room. And I told him, I'm like, I got into a fight with my girlfriend the night before. I'm like, it's bad. It's really bad. I don't know what to do about it. I I don't know what to do. I feel completely lost in this. I don't know how to handle this. I don't know how to handle any of it. I'm just, I'm overwhelmed. And I'm sobbing at the table. And um, he's like... I think I'm going to talk to people and I'm going to let them know that you should talk to a counselor. I can vouch for your character because I know that that's not who you are. He goes, but if I recommend you go to the counselor, you have to go to the counselor. And I go on anything because I would kill for the second chance at this point. And so one crisis averted, but the crisis is still waiting for me. Mm Mm-hmm. So eventually I get my way back to my phone and I start talking to her again. And once we start talking, uh, it's basically, you lied to me and there's no way I can ever forgive you. She goes, so what we're going to do is we're going to run over absolutely everything until I'm satisfied. I go, run over everything, meaning this. Not just this one situation. No, not Not just just that. that. No, every detail. Every detail of any girl of you ever every, interacted with, ever. Of ev- pretty much. 
um, in any capacity, in any physical capacity, in any emotional capacity, in any anything. Anything that I had already told her was subject to re-examination until she was content with the outcome, which was an impossibility. So for the next two-ish weeks, my life was waking up, answering questions, getting ready for work at the same time, and then going to work, being at work for eight to 12 hours, depending on the day going home, answering her or calling her on the way home so that she could start asking questions again and doing that until about 12 or 1 a.m., in which time I would say goodnight, hang up the phone, and then go to sleep. I'd wake up the next morning, I'd call her. Uh, so that was the next two weeks. After that, I told her that I needed 15 minutes to just decompress after work. That was it. Just give me 15 minutes from the time I get home to eat and exist and take my boots off and then i would start doing it so it was about six weeks of that and we ended up going through all of it looping over and over and over again because she wasn't satisfied so because she'd she... have to ask you again exactly. you go through the details again correct and then, and then she would try to like poke holes in it to try and well, even if I was consistent, she would have to repeat it again and again and again and again, where until I had said it enough times, pretty much the exact same way for her to feel less anxious. I don't know whatever triggered her to feel less anxious, and I never got clarification on it. But ultimately, I don't know that she ever did. But it'd be same questions over and over and over again. For six weeks, this is what you did. If for, yeah, six weeks. On days off, it was either that or playing a game with her that she really liked. It just, it was whatever she wanted, I was subject to. And so for the next six weeks, that was just about it. And then eventually I was like, I can't, I can't live like this. This isn't yeah, like what's what's the point? Yeah, that's what, a good question. Like, I'll what was even the point? Like, what was there to gain in your relationship? Uh, there wasn't anything to gain at the relationship at this point. But when you're in that dark of an alley and there is no light in sight, the only thing that you can focus on is what's directly in front of you. There's mm -hmm. nowhere else to look. There's nothing else to pay attention to. There is only what is directly in front of you. Because at work, I'm going through very difficult. I had a very high-pressure job. I was working extremely hard. I had a lot of pressure coming from a lot of different areas. Uh, when I said I went above and beyond, going above and beyond generally comes with a lot of responsibility, right? There's basically two types of people in the military and there are those that achieve and those that just want to make it to their next paycheck and i was somebody that one personally i'd rather achieve but once you do people want you to continue achieving so they bring you a big stuff to do like when you're mm -hmm. really good at what you do they give you more to do it's mm -hmm. like it, i think that uh one of the best sayings i ever saw for it is when you're really good at work you're rewarded with more work yeah <laughs> um and so so and so you're working constantly and very yeah. 
very difficult, challenging hours. Mm -hmm. And then in your personal life, you're being grilled mm -hmm. day That's and nice night. Way to put it. it was interrogation. Interrogation, just completely grilled and just miserable. So you finally, <clears throat> six weeks comes and you're like, I can't keep doing this. This is ridiculous. Yeah, we've had entire blowouts at this point. I've tried to leave a couple times and ended up falling back because so i quote unquote tried to leave a couple times i at this point i'm also talking to the therapist and the therapist said something i'll never forget and julie you're gonna have a field day with this um which the julie? You, uh <laughs> therapist julie <laughs> julie okay. sickles um you're gonna have a field day with this so i'm in this and i go to the therapist and i'll never forget this and i go I cannot keep doing this. I need to leave. And I don't know how. I don't know how to sever that bond. And I don't know how to cut that tie. And she looks at me and without missing a beat, she says, I don't think you're actually going to leave. And the rocks in my stomach that just like I... I wanted anything to grasp onto, any way to pull myself out of whatever sinkhole I was deeply, deeply entrenched in. Mm. And it felt and like it get, was ripped out of You didn't get any hands. hope from... Yeah. yeah, nothing. I got... That. Yeah. Anything I was grasping at feels like it got pulled away from my hands. So I kind of closed my eyes and just started to sink. So you really needed someone in that moment to say, yeah, it'll be hard, but it's going to be so worth it once yeah. you get there. Or even you can do it. Or Just you can do anything, it, yeah. anything. I was desperate mm. for anything, anything that I could grasp onto. A blade of grass would have been better than hearing that I that the therapist that I've been talking to about this relationship just says, yeah, I don't think you're going to leave. It crushed me. Hmm. It makes my heart so sad to hear how that experience affected you, Nathan. And I just want to say that I really feel for you that you didn't get the experience that you needed in that moment from your therapist. And I really want to address that Sometimes therapists just don't get it right. Sometimes they don't do or say the thing that we need them to do or say or the thing that we need to hear. And in those situations, I think sometimes people see their therapist as the expert and the person that, that knows all. But a therapy relationship is really meant to be very collaborative. So I just want to encourage any of you, if you have a similar experience where something happens and you feel those emotions of this isn't what I need that I as a therapist always really appreciate when my client comes back to me and says, look, you said something and it really, it really bothered me or it really hurt me or it wasn't what I needed because then we're able to have that conversation and really talk about what your goals are and what it is that you need. And I can work with you to help you to get exactly what it is that you need from therapy at that time. Okay. So we are actually going to leave this part right here. And we want to thank you guys for listening this week. And please join us next week 
we've got Nathan again, second part, and we get to hear the conclusion of his story. So we appreciate you, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.